Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, what is an extension of Peaks and Valleys. In this space, we seek to share the table with storytellers and seekers alike, hopefully and almost certainly over a great cup of coffee because we know that brings people to the table. We seek and want to see you flourish in your mental health journey. I'm your host, Jonathan Coggins. And I'm Kyle Ridgely, and I hope that this space is safe and inclusive for all. Welcome to the table. Hello, peaks and valleys, and welcome to another episode of the Pour Over Podcast. In this podcast, it is 2023, so we have rung in the new year. And we are starting a clean slate. We're starting a new year. Um, Hope you had a a fantastic celebration, new year, whatever you did. Um, And I hope this this year um, brings great joy and blessing and goodness and flourishing mental health in your life. Um, That's from us to you at Peaks and Valleys and the Pour Over Podcast. Um, but as always, I'm your host, Jonathan Coggins, and today have a little something different, a little special um, episode for you guys today. My other host, Kyle Ridgely, is not with me. I have a guest co-host today, uh, Timothy Lloyd. Howdy, howdy. Um, glad to be here. Um, go Braves. There we go. There we go. Go Braves. Georgia boy. Georgia boy. Love it. Love it. We usually do, um, on this, Tim, um, we usually do like a little check-in, you know, because this podcast is about, you know, mental health and, um, you know, and and that includes for ourselves, you know, um, the people that speaking to this podcast so how you doing tim man that is a question um i'm doing all right the uh the new year coming around um kind of kind of brought some things into light um this past month or so i went into a really bad just kind of like dark place like i've had seasonal depression a little bit my adult life but it got kind of rough this year but luckily um Went to the doctor about it. They gave me a referral for a psychiatrist, so I'm trying to hopefully go to some sort of therapy. Maybe get on a drug. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what it is, but luckily, yeah. like, I got through that, and um, I had my wife with me. She was really making sure that I stayed sane the whole time. It was, it was not fun, but definitely coming out of it. <laughs> Almost felt euphoric in a way, honestly. Uh, so, coming out of a, a rough spot, but definitely... In a much better spot right now. Nice, man. Yeah. Well, thank, thanks for sharing that. That's, I mean, I'm super glad that you took the steps, you know, that we always encourage people to do, like take those steps to get the help you need and deserve. And like, and super glad to, I mean, especially, you know, starting the new year with, with that in a good tra- trajectory as far as your mental health. I think that's incredible, super important. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing. I, I'm glad that you're getting that help, you know? Yeah. Um, Awesome. So before we dive into what our conversation 
is for this episode, why I brought you on, uh, just so our listeners can get to know Tim a little bit. Um, whatever you want to share, um, floor is yours. Um, <laughs> I got I got a lot. Um, currently living in uh, Western North Carolina, born in Atlanta, lived in the South my entire life. Um, I am a believer in God. Uh, whatever that means right now is what it means right now. I, um, actually ended up, went to the same school that Jonathan went to just at a different time. Uh, so we just kind of knew each other that way. And I really like soccer. I really like music. I was really hyped about Argentina winning the world cup. Um, trying to think whatever else I, I could talk about pretty much anything. Um, I'm just weird like that. So if you, if you get me on anything that I could talk about it, I know enough about everything. Nice. That's just me. Nice. All right. So Georgia, from mm-hmm. Georgia, um, same alma mater, Baptist college of Florida. Um, big sports guy. Yeah. Braves, soccer. Yeah. Nice music. Yeah. Which, you know, your, your passion for music is just. I mean, incredible, man, because music is just, to me, it's just, it's so healing. Yeah. Like, whether you play music or, like, you, you just, you're a listener, you're a consumer. Uh, there's just something about music that, again, it's just so so healing, so good, so, ref- like, you pop on, you know, your favorite tune, like, you know, you just kind of drown out the noise of the world. Yeah. Like, you know. So thank you for being part of that healing force in the world <laughs> and, and being a musician. Heck yeah, man. Some of course. Alright guys, well um a big reason that you know I asked him to come on and have this conversation because these are a lot of conversations that me and Tim have already had in the background. You know, we off the podcast and so I was like hey why don't you come on and going into this new year knowing that we've seen a lot of this in 2020 and talk about you know what it is why we resist it um, how it affects people right we're talking about Christian nationalism oh boy and and i would argue more specifically white christian nationalism you know yeah a lot of people get a lot of people get upset about that but i i just there, there there is no little to no historicity of you know, the the black church and its roots to be nationalistic in any way. No, not at right? all. So it's it's inherently a white Christian problem, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. So to kind of start us off, in in your own words, Tim, what do you what do you define as Christian nationalism? <clears throat> um, it goes. I know it as Christian nationalism. Some people call it dominionism as well. Um, but 
I think it's the the obsession with creating a perfect Christian quote unquote Christian utopia in a in a certain nation. I mean, it, 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 luckily it's kind of in the name, but I think it still needs to be explained somewhat. Um, and it's and it and it goes past just you know generally what the Bible says. Live out your life if you're in power. Try to try to be Christian somewhat, but like, it's like this obsession and it's almost trying to make, like adding in a lot of legalism and adding in, almost thinking that you're the Israelites in the wilderness, adding in just these ridiculous amounts of rules and so on and so forth. And thinking that you can design this perfect Christian society. Um, so yeah, um, I could say that it, um, its main issue is that it's impossible to create a Christian nation. It's <clears throat> completely impossible because we are all fallible human beings. Um, we're going to mess up and there's, and it's really tough to like perfectly discern the will of God. I think also God doesn't really care that much about what a nation does more than just, I think all people. Um, so it's just, it, it's, it's a very incoherent ideology, but people still, still still use it to try and get votes because it's well it's also an ideology it's also a political strategy and it's enough to get the white christian vote to say that you're gonna make i don't know <laughs> you're gonna make this country christian again in a way and to some people that are christian that don't really put that much thought into it they're like cool you got my vote so it's an ideology it's a strategy it's incoherent it's everything yeah. So so when you in in your definition when you say make rules do you mean like politically? Uh, yeah, um or you know like like laws. Yeah, um they they try to legislate morality, which is impossible to do as well. And they think that if you design it and you you have it's, uh, it reminds me, you know, this, this, um, this desire to put the 10 commandments in, in a, in a government building and to have that be the thing that we base our culture and our legal system on, um, just use that as a framework to understand. So yeah, it, it, it definitely comes down to a legal framework, uh, and how you structure that society and that culture to be more god honoring you know you know <laughs> yeah 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 uh man in just like the way that i kind of think about it in my own mind and i've really the way i've like wrapped my head around it is i, I the word supremacy comes to mind the word supremacy comes to mind and when I think of, you know, white Christian nationalism, I think about putting this, you know, the Christianity above, you know, in America or whatever nation, at the expense of the other, your neighbor, right? Those that are not Christian. And 
that's that's why the word supremacy comes to mind when it comes to Christian nationalism, because I, I feel like it's either way you slice it, it's it's at the expense of our neighbor. Yeah, you know whether that be the you know the religious minority, the other religion, whether that be um the other sexuality, right? The LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, like I, I, I think it is inherently antichrist because when 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 I think of when I think of Jesus, you know, he he didn't try to conquer his enemies. He didn't try to supreme himself over his enemies or his neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead, because when when I think of Christian nationalism, I think of partnering i guess is the word maybe with the empire right because if you're trying to create a christian nation you, you desire to be a christian nation that 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 seems very antithetical to jesus right yeah. like empire right yeah. uh, a nation christian yeah. nation right and when again going back to what i was saying when when i think of jesus he subverted the empire, right? Like he calls us to love even our enemy, which I, th- I think for, for most of us, like we can agree that's not always the easiest thing. But nonetheless, Jesus, if we if we say we're Jesus followers, right, he calls us to love even our enemies. Yeah, what is it um, that like um, Matthew... The Gospels, uh, <laughs> when uh, when Jesus says, you know, if someone forces you to go one mile, go two. Someone wants your tunic, then give them your tunic and something else, so on and so forth. That whole passage, I've heard it said that like that was often things that the Roman Empire would request of you, um, and often people in the Roman military, they'd be like, give me your tunic, I need it, and <clears throat> Jesus was saying that like. You should really love your enemies through that, um, and well, the empire is is your enemy in the <laughs> in the in the in the, in the grand scheme of things. But like, you should be definitely subverting the empire through following their rules to a T. To like, and then but then also finding different ways to really question their practices and their ideology. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good. Um, yeah, like asking good questions. You know, um, I mean, when you when you when you when you poke at the empire and you start asking questions, we see what happens. Like my mind goes to, and I'm getting kind of rabbit trail here do but it we'll, we'll come back do we'll, it we'll, we'll we get will, back on we will find it <laughs> we'll get back on might just like you just made me think like you know my mind goes to to 2020 and the black lives matter protests mm-hmm. and a lot of the protests when they got you know violent Who is part of the instigation of that? Yeah. The police. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, you start asking those questions, you start yeah. poking the empire, 
you know. And then you got to remember um, Martin Luther King said, riots do not spring up out of thin air. It's not like a group of people get together. They say, we're going to riot. That's not, that's not how it happens. There's, it's a, it's a felt feeling between a massive group of people that just, just, I, <laughs> in, in a, in a way they decide, I guess we're going to riot now, but there's, but there's like, it's like kindling to a fire and it was already there. It's not like everything was peaceful and then suddenly it isn't. There's definite steps to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Back, back off the rabbit trail. You just, you know, you made me think of that. We found it. We're back. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So we, we have, you know, some, some words in, you know, both of our own language and definition of, of white Christian nationalism. Why do we resist it? Why do we need to, as, as people that, that consider ourselves, you know, um, followers of Jesus, this Jesus that subverts empire and causes us to love enemy, um, why should we? Why do we need to speak up? Like, why, why do we resist Christian nationalism? Uh, the Sunday school answer is because Jesus did, um, or uh, rather rejected nationalism and it's whole thing. Um, because Christian nationalism is never truly about Christianity. It's a false Christianity. Like, you know, we brought up the, the, the legal systems and they brought up like Levitical laws. It's always about structuring a society, telling people what they can and can't do rather than showing grace. Like I'd be, I guess I'd be fine with a Christian nation if it was all based on grace. I don't think it's going to happen sadly, but you know, there's things, things happen. Um, but Christian nationalism as it is right now is all based upon oppression and oppression of things that we ultimately just don't understand enough. And our, we often, so often, whenever we just don't understand it, we think we just need to squelch it or, and we always have a very restrictive view of the Bible. And we think, if there's one thing where, I don't know, Jesus didn't entirely say this is all, all okay, then we think, okay, then it's bad, then we should get rid of it. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it's just because ultimately the two cannot commingle because nation and the way that we understand nationalism right now is all based on being exclusionary and being supremacist. And Christianity is not about that. Um, it's just used as a tool. So, I mean, one, it's insulting to me, Christian nationalism. Um, so I, I, I resist that. But then also, Jesus ultimately rejected and resisted nationalism in all of its all of its forms. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, I mean, I you know I love that you you know pointed out again that I I think is a important thing to never forget in this conversation that it's the 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 form that we are seeing now of white Christian nationalism is always exclusionary, like you said, you know, and if if we go back to the the founding of America, the Constitution, just starting with that, it, it, 
it, it is an intentionally godless document. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It like, says the creator right, it has was, given us rights. Exactly. Who's the creator? We, we don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it, it's not because, I, I don't know, they, they, they could be God haters, you know, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I, yeah. don't, I don't know the founders. But it was intentional. It was intentional because America was intentionally designed and created to be a pluralistic nation. Right, a nation where, you know, let's take the the um the freedom of religion, for example. Yeah. Um. We're supposed to be a nation where not one religion is put in favor of others. Right. Um. The freedom from religion, you know, the the freedom to not have a religion at all or be forced on you freedom to make right? up your own religion <laughs> exactly yeah. like yeah. we we have those absolute freedoms in america and again going back to the exclusionary thing um christian nationalism would exclude those other religions um that people have the freedom to that our founders intentionally created the constitution for People would have those freedoms. Yeah, I, right? I think that, that, that's something that's often never discussed is that if we were to say that Christianity was the religion of the nation, that would in a way be saying that like every other religion is illegal, I guess, or like at least frowned upon and oppressed, and that's that's not good. That's not what Christ wants. No, not at all. Not at all. And I I. I wonder if if those that advocate for a Christian nationalist lens of America, where you know there there are blasphemy laws and you know LGBTQ is illegal mm-hmm. or you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. I I wonder if if they ever stop and think that you made a great point earlier that you said we are we are fallible human beings. So to your point, it it would never work. The the laws would come back, and it would affect them. Mm-hmm. You know what? Would it fill in the blank whatever law they think needs to be in place? They're imperfect too. Yeah. <laughs> like they're they're gonna slip up at some point and the law that they've finally got put in place, whatever it is, like they're gonna be in trouble legally. And as we've seen, you know? many of these people who who hitch their wagon to Christian nationalism when the the woke cancel culture mob comes for them and reality it being, you know, them not following the rules or even the rules that they've set up, they will never take responsibility. They'll blame something else, they'll they'll deflect, they'll do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They'll 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 probably blame it on critical race theory or <laughs> you know, the or 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 groomers. Yeah. Or yeah. 
you could you could you could uh, put it all in a hat and pick one out. Um, Antifa did it. You could you could say that. Whatever people people believe it. Good. Oh man. Oh no, I got him out. <laughs> oh no. I, oh no, I said the word. Dude, it it seems like every few months, like the boogeyman is always. I I'm convinced at this point that the boogeyman is a shapeshifter because I'm, I'm convinced because yeah. every few months the boogeyman from Christian nationalists change. Yeah. Remember like it was critical race theory. Yeah. And then they defeated that, I guess. <laughs> I guess they did. <laughs> you know, and then it was, you know, the vaccines mm-hmm. and like medical tyranny and then it was, what was another one? There, there, there. There's the the groomer rhetoric. Yeah, you know, towards LGBTQ people, where they think that half of the teachers teaching your kids are all trans or something. Yeah, yeah. As if not every school has maybe one queer teacher. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, dude. And then and then during the the midterms, mm-hmm. they were blaming Gen Z. Yeah, <laughs> like Gen Z was was the boogeyman that she should be a scare, afraid of. Mm-hmm. And they've been like, and to tie it together, I remember Charlie Kirk, um, friend of the show, obviously. Um, oh god. <laughs> um, he, I think he might have said this a year ago. He was complaining that Gen Z both was like the gayest generation and then the most secular generation, which it was funny just to like listen to and. I don't know what he expects. Um, I, I guess he expects eighty percent of Gen Z to be queer at, at 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 one point. I don't. I don't know. That's not. It's probably not going to happen. But and then also, we're just in kind of a secular time right now. So I, I don't know what he's complaining about. But yeah, he he would he was fear mongering about Gen Z already, saying that you know, just just the same old tired logic of we're failing. We're failing our kids, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Charlie Kirk. <laughs> Dude, he is like a th- one of the most prominent leaders within this movement, within the white Christian nationalist movement. Like, yeah. he's He's said some pretty gross things yeah you know <laughs> i remember when um kentanji jackson is that actually mm-hmm. your first name kentanji brown jackson yeah jackson brown jackson brown jackson yeah when whenever she was going through her you know her hearings for confirmation and all that <laughs> i remember uh, watching a clip of him on his the charlie kirk show mm-hmm and he basically said that, you know, this is, like, CRT, like... Manifest? Manifest okay. or something <laughs> like that. Like, talking about a black woman. Yeah. Like, talk about the racism and the misogyny. Like, like, and she she's one of the most, if not the most qualified mm-hmm. person... 
on that Supreme Court. She has decades of legal experience. Yes. Decades. Yes. <clears throat> but they still asked her about CRT for some reason. Yeah. And then and then she got asked, what is a woman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Tim, this is yes. my next question. Stop. No. Is, I'm just, no. <laughs> no. All right. All right. Another, it, it was a good rabbit trail. Yes. But, all right, so, you know, we, we talked about, you know, what is Christian nationalism? Um, why do we resist it? And I, I, would, I would argue one of the most important reasons why we should resist it, why sh- we should, well, two reasons, two reasons. Why, why, why we should resist it? Why, sh- why we should speak up and say something about white Christian nationalism? How it is antithetical to Jesus? Um, it has nothing to do with this gospel that they scream at people about. Mm-hmm. Is because of our neighbor, on behalf of our neighbor, our LGBTQ neighbor, mm-hmm. our Jewish Muslim, those. The only two religions that just came to mind. Other religious neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, our immigrant neighbor. Right? Because of our neighbor. On behalf of our neighbor. Because Chris, white Christian nationalism impacts other people's lives. Mm-hmm. In a negative net. Not in a positive. And so I would say because of our neighbor, on behalf of our neighbor, we need to resist. We need to speak up about Christian nationalism. And two, because I am, and I've, you know, communicated this, that that I am still a committed Jesus follower, I'm not going to let people bastardize and co-opt and create a white version of the Jesus that I love and follow. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let them do that. I'm I'm gonna resist that because no you don't you don't get to redefine Jesus this might I add brown skin from two thousand years from ago two thousand years ago <laughs> um, born in a manger born in a manger like born in such a way that I I just don't understand like this this Jesus that was born in such humble circumstances right born in a manger mm-hmm. also like they had to flee persecution basically instantly <laughs> right yeah um this Jesus that going back to the idea that subverts the empire was was murdered by the empire yeah right and then go, going back to the idea I talked about earlier like it, it's it, it doesn't make sense like Christian nationalism Christian nation that that means being empire like you know I, I just don't understand how they they think about and read the story of Jesus and it's like I, I want to dominate I want to take dominion over culture. I want to rule and have all this power. Like I, I just yeah. the the cognitive dissonance there is like I think I think sadly they've 
sadly, many of them don't know the Bible. If you can be real, um, just ask them simple stories in the Bible. Or like, whoa, <clears throat> I, have, I, have, I have people in my families that uh, serve in churches. And uh, one of their favorite things to do is to be like, one of my favorite verses is, is uh, God helps those who help themselves. And without a doubt, there will be people who say, amen, brother. And it's like, that verse is nowhere found in the Bible. That verse was, that, that was said by Benjamin Franklin. But people, I think, have spent so long in the culture of Christianity and all of that more than they've actually got themselves into understanding the Bible and understanding Jesus. And I, I think also, because I, I think these people put more thought into the words of Paul more than Jesus. Um, and then also have this highly exclusionary restrictive view of Paul. And, but they, but they understand it as they almost view, view Jesus not as the King and not as the savior, but they view him like similar to a Stephen, like a martyr that died and said everything right. For Paul to come in, really, and and and, and to really show us how everything's run, mm. and I don't, I don't know if they realize that, but I, I think I think that's kind of their their thought, um, and they'll and they can often quote Paul a lot better than they can quote Jesus. They could talk about things being decently in an order. They could say I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and they could say all different stuff like that. But that if you ask them simple parables, they'll be confused. Um, and I, I think some of that's because within within Paul's writings, there's a lot of conservative views. There's also some really progressive views, if, I, if I'm going to be real. <laughs> but there's a lot of conservative views still. And so they, they read that or they hear it read to them and they agree with it. So they remember it more than anything really said by Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... Hundred percent, yes. Like, yeah. And it, there, there's just a lot of. I I struggle with Paul a lot. I struggle with Paul. Yeah. Um, and 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 there are things that people have taken from Paul that don't relate to us anymore. Yeah. That because. 2,000 years removed. Mm-hmm. For example, like... Or at least need some context given right. to them and some nuance. And need some context. Yeah. yeah. Like, like for example, like, Paul's sexual ethic about, um... Uh... You know, marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being celibate. That was for Paul, where he was at, and it's not like yeah you know um that's not something if if you feel led to be celibate like if you feel the need to be like bless your heart do it go and do it <laughs> like i'm not saying don't do it but to say that i got this teaching for paul so i'm gonna apply it to my it, it just it doesn't work that way to me mm-hmm. like make that decision for yourself right um yeah. <laughs> Another rabbit trail. But I know, I love it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, like I, 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 I fully believe in not again, not not letting those that would lie to people and grift people, mm-hmm. like Charlie Kirk. Yep. Um, We're back. <laughs> bastardize and co-opt this Jesus that I I have a di- very different relationship with now than two years ago. But yeah, th- that I still very much so love and want to follow and model my life after because I love the teachings of Jesus. I love you know love your neighbors yourself, care for the poor, like seek justice. Um, even love your enemy. Even though I said, I think anybody could can admit that part is not always easy. I think it's the hardest part. It is honestly, it is. <laughs> but, but man, um, it, it's it, there's just something powerful about that, like loving your enemy, because somebody that you would deem your enemy and I'm not talking about somebody that you know has abused you right of course yeah or is a complete ass to you like obviously we've talked about boundaries on this podcast before and like when you need to draw boundaries from toxic people do that yeah but but somebody that you strongly disagree with that maybe they're conservative you're more liberal and progressive like which in our cultural context, enemies, right? Or at least opposed. Opposed. So yeah, yeah. In that context of enemy, one, I've I've never changed my opinion or my mind or my position by somebody yelling at me, right? I've changed my mind by having conversations with people. Yeah. And when you when you sit and have conversations with people that you again you strongly disagree with, like in our cultural context, they'd probably be labeled your enemy. Mm-hmm. You you find some humanity there. You find some common ground, right? And then you it's just this beautiful process of moving from viewing this person as my enemy to hey like I still really disagree with you on this mm-hmm. but I don't view you as my enemy anymore yeah. like because we had a conversation because I took this time to slow down and actually listen to listen not to listen to rebut whatever you're going to say right like yeah. and so like that concept of loving your enemy even though hard like it it can produce some I mean, just great fruit in, in your life and peace. Like I believe we're called to be peacemakers. Yeah. Right. Even even between the different people who view Christianity different ways, iron still sharpens iron. Yeah. If I can quote Paul again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. For resist Christian nationalism because yeah. because of our neighbor because of. The ones in this nation that are not Christian, mm-hmm. that are not straight, right? That um, f- follows a another religion. Again, going back to 
it was intentionally supposed to be a pluralistic nation because of the intentionally godless constitution. Yes. Um, and because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to let people co-opt my Jesus that, that I love and follow. I don't think Jesus is going to let himself be co-opted. No, no. <laughs> the, old, the old phrase that uh, God don't like ugly, you know? <laughs> I think I think of that like listen I don't, I don't I don't think God's gonna let himself be mocked for 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 too long somebody's gonna be brought down <laughs> something's gonna happen in there yeah 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 hell no not my Jesus <clears throat> no um all right um next thing and we'll round this out Tim what have you seen in how how have you seen better question how have you seen this this affect that other you know maybe it's that queer person maybe it's that other religious person you know like what does christian nationalism do to our neighbors like that we should care for and love and yeah um <clears throat> there's many examples but the one that sticks out the most to me, um, it was 2014-2015. I was still very much in a more conservative evangelical church. And I remember I went to a youth pastor conference. It was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Everything was good. And what was neat was that they specifically made the whole conference about racial reconciliation um and they even brought out um the rapper propaganda shout out propaganda i love them shout out hood politics pod they're the best i love propaganda um they brought out propaganda they brought out different people they i and 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 it wasn't just white and black either it was white black hispanic asian different people and they were talking about how to bring about like racial cohesion and reduce racial strife within your youth group and that was in 2014-2015, so encouraging to see. And <clears throat> it was it was amazing. And it was very sad how the rise of Christian nationalism through Trumpism, through whatever else, just really, in a way, destroyed a bunch of progress that had been made in racial cohesion, racial relations. Um... And, and suddenly now we're back to, it, it feels like we're back to like 2007, 2006. And I look at that, I'm like, did we just waste our time? <laughs> did we just have a conference for nothing? Did, was, this, was this all a joke? Um, so I th- that's the one that I've seen, and it probably affects me the most because I was there. Yeah. And I got to see it, and I got to really be, be a, what was the Christian word, uh really really ministered to by it um but it's just it's just so tough to see all this cultural progress and even and it was like older white people that were like yeah i really want to have better relationships with my black students with my hispanic students whatever like it was a youth pastor conference but now we're back to whatever it was and we're clutching our purses whenever somebody with sagging pants walks down the street. We're doing whatever else. It just seems that we've 
we've lost all that progress. And and also the same things happened with, um, with with queer people, because we had the Obergefell decision, but then and then now, kind of gay marriage is codified mostly, um. So that's that's luckily kind of a ship that has sailed, but yet again the same rhetoric that was used by Christians to talk about adoption of gay people into the world. They'll say, what do I tell my kids? What if my kids turn out to be gay? That's used to talk about now trans people, non-binary people, asexual people, whoever else. Um, it's just the same rhetoric over and over again. So, yeah, that's <laughs> that's 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 the two main examples that I see the most. Yeah. 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 And... Part, part of our mission with Peaks and Valleys uh, is, you know, to dismantle and deconstruct harmful views of mental health within church, find better pathway, pathways forward. And I think that, and th- this, this kind of connects to your point about, you know, the racial reconciliation thing. And just the ignorance when it comes to the conversation of mental health within the church and just the ignorance on trauma you know even understanding racial trauma right and just what what Christian nationalism Again, I the ignorance to it and, and the fact that they probably don't care because you can't see that right, but what that does to communities of color, right, this idea that we want this Christian nation, we want to take dominion over the nation and in our view in our fundamentalist view of the bible you know and not understanding that it's the same thing that was happening in um you know the antebellum south Mm -hmm. with um Shadow slavery that was happening with the civil rights movement that was happening with uh, Reconstruction and Jim Crow coming from the white church, right? Mm-hmm. This very narrow view of what Christianity is and when it comes to that dynamic between um, those with white skin and those with darker skin. And just it, it, you know, you mentioned it, it's, it's coming back full circle. Like we're having, the same things are being said that were being said then. Mm -hmm. Right. And, the trauma that that created for 
you know, the communities of color. Mm-hmm. And, again, like, if we had better conversations a long time ago about mental health and understanding trauma and understand that there are things like racialized trauma and generational trauma that's, that just that doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, my, my whole point there is, like, white Christian nationalism re-traumatizes people, right? Yeah. Um, and, again, connecting to your point, like, it, you know, this, this conversation of, of reconciliation, racial reconciliation, right? Seeking justice, all these kind of things. Although, like, if you, you know, pursue that as, you know, a follower of Jesus, you get called woke or Marxist, right? <laughs> and then even that, man, like... <laughs> Even that, um, like the way that woke is used now by conservatives. Woke was a positive thing back in the day. It was, right. Created by. Stay woke. Keep your antenna up. Look around you. Yeah. Created by the black community. Yeah. They, They created that term, that framework, you know, of being the world. And it's the way it's used now by, you know, either conservative pundits or talking heads or conservative white Christians, right? It's just a perpetuation of white supremacy because it's stealing something, again, mm-hmm. stealing something from the black community that was intended to be a positive. That's really racist. For them, <laughs> right? To like, take something that's a positive and say, no, this is bad because right? it's black, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but now it's, it's, it's just been appropriated by conservatives and conservative white Christians and it's just this perpetuation of you know the supremacy culture yeah like um yeah yeah I, white Christian nationalism I, I I see that it 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 re, it traumatizes people right like it it re-traumatizes people um like j- just the conversation of the the LGBTQ community like it's you know you you mentioned it's it's starting starting to become more culturally socially we we still got some ways to go but mm-hmm. culturally and socially acceptable to to finally come out right yeah to finally be yourself for proof a couple of years ago Charlie Kirk was doing speaking gigs with Rob I want to say Thomas some <clears throat> I apologize. It's, pretty sure he calls himself like the gay black conservative i I forget his last name but like he was doing speaking gigs with them and the same people who were talking about woke marxist mob cancel culture whatever else are now saying okay well now we could say it's okay to be gay and and actually we want to appeal to gay people but we're going to stop right there right at the line of gay people and that's why you know they say lgb drop the t whatever else they try to say um they just always <laughs> they only they only do so much as you as you give them or as they can take i guess yeah yeah yep yeah, 100% um but you know it 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 traumatizes the lgbtq community mm-hmm. like on top of you know some trauma that a lot in that community are already navigating through, right? 
but you have white Christian nationalism coming in saying like no absolutely no trans conversations all drag queens are groomers yes. right like all this kind of stuff and it just won't just let people be like mm-hmm. it, it traumatizes people yeah um, because because they are seen as the other the enemy that needs to be conquered the the law that needs to be put in place so this person xyz won't exist yeah i think at the end of the day we're all just just throwing trauma responses out and we don't really know what we're saying if you if you watch any videos of but what's the what's the show? Um, it's it's on YouTube. Like uh, Jubilee, they'll have people sit down and yeah. be be opposing. Or 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 if you go to any sort of protest, counter protest, they're just yelling slogans at each other. There's nothing actually happening. They're just coming from a place of trauma. And <clears throat> I think for if I can, not in my professional, I'm not a professional mental health professional at all. But in my opinion, a lot of what the conservative Christian nationalist people what it comes down to is they're just deeply insecure and and not in the sense of like oh i'm too short or i'm not buff enough but they they worry they're they're kept up late at night by the thought of somebody coming to take what they have and so because of that they they go against anything that could possibly be, be a threat and and it's like if it's like if you get told that you're a pre-diabetic and then your doctor says, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. And real quickly, a lot of people will say, okay, I'm going to drop every bit of sugar, drop all carbs, I'm going to do that. And it's like Christian nationalism is that extreme reaction to this threat. Now, the threat isn't real. Not at all. Queer people, racial minorities, who like people, anybody that doesn't, look like you speak like you act like you they're not a threat to you but the media the the corporate media um really just drums up this idea and furthers this and lets you essentially come to your own conclusions that these people that aren't like me pose a threat and so you real quickly have to say all right all right all right we let we let the people have their fun. No more Dracoon Story Hour. No, no more this. No more this. No more this. We have to go back to when we were 185 pounds. Not, I don't know. Oh, we we have to do something. But if you if you talk to these people and and you try and break down the fact that there's nobody that's threatening you, sometimes it'll work, or maybe you'll get them to understand something. But it's sadly that's what the entire thing is based on is just this similar to a trauma response similar to just coming from insecurity um that you have to fight for everything that you've that you acquired and you think that someone's coming for it at every time so i think that's the that's the hardest thing and it it also reminds me so in in the early if i can be historical real quick in about a hundred years ago, we were in the Gilded Age, and hopefully you know the Gilded Age is it was similar a lot to now. A bunch of rich people had a lot of money, 
and a bunch of people worked terrible hours and they got sick and they died in their 40s and it was not a good time. But also around that time was a surge of populism is what it was called. And it mainly happened within the South because it was a reaction to black people getting their getting their freedom acknowledged basically and essentially to many white people that was too much they even quote unquote well-meaning white people would be like yes i agree but they'd still say like oh this is this is this is this is too much this is this is infringing upon my land this is infringing upon my rights now i have to fight for a job with this person they used to not even work my job like it, it was it all got tough so they decided to band together as a racial unit as white people and they looked out for each other mainly and that was that was the the pivotal political force were these groups of people that just decided to band together on racial lines because they thought and it was usually Poor white people, farmers, even some sharecroppers, um, that would just that that felt threatened and felt very insecure would then band together with their their other with their white brethren <laughs> and things like that to say we need to stick t- together and help us do well because we think that there's I don't know something something coming and so it's. It's funny, it's interesting, it's sad that that all happened 100 years ago. And we just have to keep fighting against it yeah. until until we can truly look at people with darker skin than us, people that don't speak English, people that don't marry who we marry. We can look at them not as somebody coming to take something from us, but as just people. And that's tough. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it, I guess. Yeah. Last two thoughts, and we'll round this out. Um, you made me think of something when you said, let's band together. In other words, all white people. Recently, this year, it came out, there was a book called A Case for Christian Nationalism. Oh, yeah. And it was, at one point, it was number one. Yeah. On one of Amazon's lists. Yeah, and dude basically... Bots, all <laughs> <laughs> Dude, dude, basically in his book, he put a tweet out about it, about basically about the races staying separate. Yes, but equal. <laughs> basically, yeah. it was pointing toward an ethno state, right? Like, ugh, yeah, gross. Yeah, you made me think of that. <laughs> I mean. I mean, like, we we are only taking them at their word, like, you know, we're 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 not um over blemishing or anything like what is being said, what they're thinking. They're they're saying these things, so mm-hmm. what they want, yeah. Um, last thought, and I'll just shoot it to you if you have any closing thoughts then we'll round it out when you were talking about um the insecurity Mm -hmm. you know of of folks that 
maybe have a Christian nationalist bent or or overtly, you know, perpetuating um, things politically at the expense of their neighbor. And these people are Christians, Christian nationalists. Part of me really thinks that maybe they're also insecure about them, their own selves. Because I, I saw a tweet. Yeah, what um, do you mean by this? <laughs> I saw a tweet today, actually, by a guy that I, I'm pretty sure he would. He, he advocated advocates for Christianizing nations. Like, mm-hmm. so. I mean, I, I throw him in, like, the soft Christian nationalism camp. He put out a tweet that basically said that something to the effect of I walk around and I see guys that aren't gay, but the way that they dress, the way they speak, the way that they carry themselves, they're more effeminate, and... You know, we, we're we just being groomed, <coughs> you know, to a gay culture. Or something along the lines is what the tweet said. Yeah. You know. And to that I say, like, I mean, there are certain things about myself that, you know, I, I've been given that label. I've been called oh, yeah. gay, <laughs> you know. Um, there are things today, like... That, that I accept and like about myself that this this author of this tweet would probably yeah. call me gay, yeah. right? Like, I like me some Taylor Swift. I wear skinny jeans. Like, I, I like a good smelling house. Taylor Swift is extremely talented. I was going to say. I know, yeah. She's like, an extremely talented yeah. musician. Like, I, I show empathy and speak that way to to my neighbor and the people. Like, I'm not like a, a manly, like, fixer and warrior type like you know and I would probably be considered effeminate to this guy and 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 I and I'm I'm 100% okay with that like being an being an effeminate to to the author of sweet yeah I'm, I'm completely okay with myself mm-hmm. in fact I'm comfortable with myself right and so I feel like he is uncomfortable with part of himself. Yeah. Like, it it, it just, may, maybe I'm reading too much in, in between the lines, but it just sounds like, oh, there, there, there may be some things about me that I don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, that I haven't quite accepted about myself yet. You know? And I feel like there's some projection when it comes to Christian nationalism of, you know, people that they would deem other or enemy, etc. Um, I wonder I wonder what he would think about, uh, you know, what is it, uh, Middle Eastern men. They hold hands as a sign of friendship walking down the, the street. Would he be like, nope, too gay, don't like it. I really... He, he probably <clears throat> would. Yeah. You know? Um, again, I mean, part, part of me just really thinks that sometimes maybe it's, they're, they're insecure about their own self, 
you know may, maybe that's why oh i i need to show this like domineering i've got to take control i've got to take power i've got to take dominion right like let's i mean it, it's definitely like really shitty theology and like <laughs> You know, yes. all those other things, like... Shallow, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I think part of it also may be, like, there's there's part of themselves that that they, like, have a hard time accepting. I'm not going to get too much into the, the whole science or, or the whole culture phenomena of masculinity. But it is funny how... how, how masculinity is like, having having a very rigid view of masculinity hurts men yes um and I mean, that's why we often call it toxic masculinity and so <clears throat> his view that like i don't know probably dancing is effeminate or like a taylor swift is effeminate like that seems just strange because then you have to fit inside this box but it's really tough for certain people to fit inside that box it, it just doesn't make sense. And then it's harmful because at the end of the day, why should I care whether or not somebody doesn't like that I, that, that, that we both listen to Taylor Swift, that, that we wear skinny jeans. That just seems so odd. And, and so, yeah, I think him, him saying that masculinity is this smaller box than it actually is, is definitely very insecure. And it just doesn't, See, make that's what I'm saying. Make, like. make sense as a whole. I'm reminded, um, a guy I work with is gay, and <clears throat> it it is funny. I, I'm decently masculine, and you know I don't expect all gay men to be the the stereotype, the whatever else. But it's very funny because this man that I work with is like a frat bro essentially. <laughs> he plays <laughs> rugby. He told me about he went and played like rugby that like you got out then you'd like down a beer real or like like shotgun a beer and then do something else and I'm just hearing him and he's like yo it was like super cool and I'm like this is so against what we think of as like gay or effeminate like in in like in many ways he's more masculine than I am and so that that just throws everything that that throws a wrench in everything um, but yet we still have people thinking that. I don't know that um, we we have to understand masculinity as this very rigid thing and not just that masculinity is just what men do, whatever that means. Yes, that's that's ultimately what masculinity is. Yeah. Um, so I think I mean, I again, I, I just think in a lot of cases when Christian nationalists, specifically white men like project this domineering like we gotta conquer we gotta be strong like I I think it's just projection of a lot of the times of things they maybe have a hard time accepting about themselves maybe yeah you know um yeah um any final thoughts from you before we close out oh lord um drink water (laughs) get eight hours of sleep at night I'm saying that to myself as well. Um, I don't know. Um, may God bless these words <laughs> that we've spoken. Um, I don't know. Um, 
I'd say definitely do a lot of reading, yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of introspection, a lot of meditation with the word, a lot of whatever whatever you want to do, um, just to really think about like your your place within Christian nationalism and how you could resist it, how you could maybe still be holding on to some thoughts or patterns that are within the ideology and or the strategy. Um, that's my whole summary. That's my, that's my application. There, there we go. go. Preacher words. We good did stuff. it. Good we stuff. Did it. Pass, yeah. pass the plate, brother. And I would just land the plane on like, you know, think a, a big important piece of this is, you know, what's, what nation do we want to hand to future generations, mm-hmm. right? This this white Christian nationalist version, or what what America was always intended to be, yeah. like a pluralistic place where there's a table for everybody, right? So, all right. Well, Tim, thanks for blessing us with your with your presence he's giving me the prayer hands (laughs) it was it was seriously a good conversation um glad to do this on the podcast and kind of take a lot of the stuff we've talked about in this online space so thanks for being here man you're welcome and glad to be here yeah yeah um make sure you're following us on our socials they're linked in the show notes and we will catch you guys on the next episode Thank you.